Well, I think we'll get this started. Uh, I'm very excited to bring to you this panel about whether podcasting is profitable and doable. And as you can see, the answer is yes. So good news. <laughs> I guess you can leave now. But you could also listen to our panelists explain how they've done it and what they needed to get set up. And uh, I'm very excited to introduce them. So Jason Hyde here at Austin Monthly is also, he has some experience launching a podcast at D Magazine. And then David over here has a pretty smooth thing going at San Diego. So they're each going to talk through kind of what they use and what they, you know, what, what ideas they had and how they got set up. And then we'll open it up for kind of questions sort of naturally throughout. But I'm really excited to share that we are going to be recording this podcast panel as a podcast and then showing you how it gets made. And then you can download it as a podcast later. So we're very excited about that. Be sure to leave your name or business card on the sign-up sheet over there if you'd like an emailed copy of the podcast or the slides, or I guess we'll send both. <laughs> so feel free to sign up over there uh, on your way out. And I think we will let these gentlemen show us what they do. So let me find my clicker. Here we go. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, great. So you can already see by the, the complicated design of my slides that uh, my theme is a no-frills approach to podcasting. Um, I am here as a non-expert podcaster. I'm here, I'm here to represent someone who had never used GarageBand before uh, launching a podcast, who did not know what equipment was necessary, who had to teach himself how to edit it by Googling uh, a lot. Um, and so... Uh, the reason that D Magazine launched a podcast was just to basically just give it a shot. Uh, D is a great company for just uh, experimenting with things and taking risks. Um, we weren't thinking that we were going to get sponsorship on the podcast right, right away. Um, that was a good insight. We did not get <laughs> sponsorship on the podcast right away. Um, I think D actually just recently, after two years of doing it, um, sold their first no, didn't I? Uh, had, a, had an inquiry. Had, a, had an got inquiry close, about got it. Close. Yeah. So, so D did it for <laughs> D did it for the love of the game, basically. Um, and but in order to do that, obviously, uh, D wanted to do it as cheaply as possible. So the idea was to to find a way to do a podcast in such a manner that it didn't take a lot of staff time, that the equipment wouldn't be very costly. Oh, what's my other slide? Fast, cheap, fun, and profit is a question mark still. So um, we knew that we wanted to uh, not do like a very stuff. I mean, D is not a very stuffy publication, if you've ever read it, um, to put it mildly. And so uh, D, D decided that we were going to do our podcast at, at a bar um, each week in order to have some like nice uh, ambient sound of... Uh, of a bar, and, and D has a regular bar that the editors frequent, and that's the bar that we decided to podcast it from. So we wanted to do a, do a mobile podcast that would take minimal editing. So I set it up so that I barely had to edit the show each week. We had a, we had a few instances where some non-family friendly language got on the podcast that, uh, that required a little bit of editing. But other than that, generally, um, after I did an initial setup and had cut a bit of intro music and a bit of outro music, uh, every week I just slid the podcast file in and edited it, and it took about an hour of my time, about an hour of the, of the uh, editors recording the podcast, and, and that was it. So we kept it pretty minimal after the startup. You didn't do it live? Uh, the well, question was, uh, did, did you do it live? 
Uh, well, I mean, podcasts aren't generally live. I mean, you record them. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yes, uh, we we basically did no editing on the show. Is what is what I'm trying to say. Is we basically just took whatever the editors did, and and I just barely made any cuts each week. So we got D up and running for less than four hundred dollars, mm. and you can see there sort of a rundown of the equipment. Um, and you're welcome to copy the exact <laughs> equipment if you want to get up and running. The recorder that's used is actually, we're using it right here. It's a little handheld recorder. It's great for being very mobile. We actually consulted the local um, NPR affiliate in Dallas, and their reporters use the same equipment when they're, when they're doing their roving <laughs> reporting. So um, it's a great little recorder. Um, the one that I have listed there is actually a newer model than this, um, but we bought this one at the time two years ago for, for $200, and, and that is a great deal for $200 for a recorder. You can hook up to four mics on this recorder. So that was the setup we had. We have a, two of the editors host the show, um, and then we would have a guest on each week, and we could have uh, up to two guests if necessary. Um, so, uh, as you can see, it was, uh, we needed four $20 mics, uh, we had to buy the cords, these, were the, these are the microphones that D uses, um, and unlike David, who will explain his setup in a go, we didn't record directly to a, a laptop because we wanted that environmental feel, we wanted to be able to set up anywhere we wanted to go, because one of the uh, ideas behind possibly doing a sponsorship was the sponsor going to a sponsor location and recording the show from there in order to you know get them a plug? So we wanted a very mobile setup, um, and then uh, there. Are the, the one thing I want to emphasize, though, in the setup and and the name of the podcast is Earburner. Um, it's a play off of Front Burner, which is the main D Magazine blog. Um, they decided to go with Earburner, uh, and then. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, it is not, you're not going to get radio sh show quality sound with this setup. I want to emphasize that. So if you want to get up and running cheaply, I, I, I want you to embrace good enough. Like, uh, there are plenty of podcasts out there that as long as it's listenable, as long as the content is interesting, you don't need to worry about having something that would be on a professional quality radio show or up to their standards of audio, to be honest. We didn't even... Uh, we didn't even bother with microphone stands because we were trying to do this cheaply. Um, I actually did buy one microphone stand in case the guest didn't want to handhold the mic, but I never, we never had a guest who wanted me to put it on a stand. So yes, that does create problems because you have the occasional guest that talks over here and you, know, you can't hear them at a certain time. Um, and we also worked without headphones for all the guests, which again, that would be another thing that you could add a little bit of cost and get quite a bit more quality to it, possibly. If you really want to enhance the quality, you'll get the sort of setup that David has here. You could have another box that leads into this um, that allows you to uh, you know, manipulate the channels a little bit. But this has a lot of uh, in built-in capability to adjust the channels. So the way the setup would work is that the two editors would sit in the bar, interview the guests. I would be on headphones where I could hear the show. And I make little adjustments on this device as a, you know, if a guest is a soft talker or a loud talker, I can make those little adjustments as the show goes on and, um, and fix that quality uh, just enough to do it. Okay, so uh, this is sort of what I was running down. Um, 
So uh, I did the production, and two of the editors hosted the show. Um, D was fortunate in that uh, the editor of D Magazine, Tim Rogers, actually ho used to host his own radio show. So he, 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 has a, he has a good innate sense of how to host a show. Um, they would plan out a run sheet for the guest, uh, have a plan, um, always start with like a little bit of banter between the hosts, because part of what you want to do is you want to create <laughs> this sense... Uh, even though you want the guests sometimes to be the draw, really the hosts have to be the draw um, on a regular basis if you really want people to subscribe and to check in each time because those are really the personalities that are going to be consistent um, with the magazine. Um, most of the episodes uh, were at the unofficial D Magazine bar. Uh, we had a few occasions when we, when we went to some other locations. Um, all the editing was done on GarageBand. So if you have a Mac already, you have GarageBand. That's why we used it. It's the free. There are some other auto, you know, auto, uh, editing software out there, but um, it just made sense to go with what we had already. Um, recording time. This was one lesson we learned really early on is we just had it on our mind that we didn't want the show to be too long. So when we started, we were cutting things off to be no more than 30 minutes for an entire episode. But we very quickly learned that that didn't really work. And if you look at the world of podcasting, that's really a, a standard that no one really cares about. <laughs> so, uh, we, uh, so our shows generally probably ranged into the 40 to 45 minute range. And that usually, that usually felt pretty right. It was divided in, it's divided into three segments. There'd be a, a reflection on the week's news between the two hosts, and they would talk about it. Then they bring the guest into the discussion, talk about whatever the guest is there to talk about or the guest live. And then they usually play some little game with the guest at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. So they always kind of segmented the show, think of it like a radio show. And, and, and that way it also, you know, a lot of podcasts, podcasting generally has a reputation of being like, I mean, I know that's what we're doing here, but like two dudes like just chatting. <laughs> um, uh, so it, it, if you can create some sort of structure where you have distinct segments of the show, I think that also helps feel like the show is moving along. Um, and I think that was a, a real benefit. So um, in order to do the distribution, we use Libsyn, which uh, the reason you would use something like Libsyn is it handles the RSS feed for you. So if you want to make sure your show gets into iTunes and Stitcher and uh, all those other uh, uh, pod catchers that people use, you need an RSS feed, and, and Libsyn handles that for you. Also provides you a little bit of data uh, about how many downloads you get each month. You, you can actually pay for more than a $15 plan, and it gives you, I think the only thing you get with a more expensive Libsyn plan is uh, geographic location of where your downloads are coming from. But since we're ob obviously, D was a Dallas magazine, and presumably 90% of the uh, downloads are coming from there, it didn't really matter that we didn't need that geographic uh, data. And then I would, I would uh, make use of the podcast on the blogs of D as well. So the, the, uh, the D podcast was always embedded within a blog post, and I would put show notes up, and the show notes functioned as content for the site each week as well. So that way, we, even if you weren't listening to the podcast, we generally got some of the, pod, uh, the, the regular blog audience that our D already had to see, the, to, to see what we were talking about. Um, the, the more successful shows we did were the guests that were already building on content that D does well, which is local city news and local politics. Um, so uh, like one of the most popular early shows was, was uh, uh, a city councilman who um, 
you would, you know, it's just, he's kind of known as sort of like the loudmouth city councilman, but he's a very entertaining guest, and, and, um, and, and he brought his audience, he brought, the, the sort of audience that already comes to D cares about this sort of city issues that he was talking about. Um, we had a few celebrity, I mean, we had Dan Rather on twice because he was coming through town to promote something. We did, uh, uh, Tim actually heard that the Dalai Lama was coming to SMU and we actually tried to get the Dalai Lama to come to the bar, but that didn't work out. Um, but so some of the most popular shows were Dan Rather, we had Nancy Lieberman, the Hall of Fame basketball coach, that was a very popular show. Uh, a more recent popular show since I've left the is Barrett Brown, who T Tim Rogers wrote a national magazine pro winning profile about him. He's a hacktivist, and he's actually started working for D after he got released from jail. He got, he got jailed for questionable reasons uh, by the government. Um, and then the least popular show was a guy who runs a sock of the month club, which, you know, I mean, it's just... So <laughs> He wasn't that interesting a guest, and no one had heard of him. So, I mean, there's not, not, not really that much of a mystery as opposed to what, how that happened. So, um, I, hope you, I hope you, my emphasis here is that uh, if you can keep the show consistent, you can build an audience of it. So, we did, see, we did see downloads increase over time, but only if we kept the show consistent. Anytime we got some traction and then the editors got too busy to do a show a particular week or two or three, we would see a downturn again and have to sort of build back up. So you have to try to keep it consistent and do it cheap. What were the, when you were talking about popular and least popular, how many downloads would be at the top end and the bottom end? So the question was how many downloads are, what is a popular number, for, <laughs> number of downloads? Um, okay, we're not talking big numbers here. Uh, so we, we actually thought a, a successful show or, or an average show for us was doing about 300 downloads. Now the, and, and, and when I say 300 downloads, I mean within the week it was released. All of them over time, because podcasting is not the sort of thing that generally people will go back and if you, they like one episode, will go back to previous episodes. So you do see over time, all, all the early episodes have got op, you know, up into the over you know, 1,000, 2,000 um, downloads. And these are not huge numbers that we're talking about. But for instance, like the Barrett Brown show that I, I mentioned that has, was produced after I left the, um, it actually did 1,000 downloads within a very short time. And so that, that would be, that, if I, if, at the time I was at D, that would have been a blockbuster for us. So, I mean, it's all about sort of building, building that audience over time. This is a, this is a long play. This is not, <laughs> This is not something that's going to be a mass audience. Um, so for us, like uh, on average, we get around 1,200 per the first week for each podcast. Um, on the low end, some we get around like four or 500, but um, I'll go into that in my slides and talk about <laughs> promoting it for uh, increasing those. <laughs> we had another question over here. What's your, what's your average runtime and what can you get away with? What's the range? The question was, what's the average runtime and what can you get away with? Uh, the average runtime is probably 40 to 45 minutes. We have some episodes that are just about 30 minutes or so. The longest episode we ever did was an hour and 10. Um, that was maybe pushing it for, for our format. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the very first one we ever did was about an hour and 45 minutes, and uh, we ended up cutting about 80% of it. <laughs> it was all garbage. <laughs> If you, if you, I don't, do you listen to a lot of podcasts? I mean, I do. I mean, I mean, Terry Gross gets away with 45 minutes, right? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. 
Um, but a lot of podcasts actually veer towards even, I mean, the top podcasts easily can do an hour and a half, two hours. I don't think that would be advisable for us at our level, but it, it is a format that people are used to just sort of like putting on while they're in their car or working out. And the runtime, I don't think you have to hold it to a very strict amount of time. I think 40 to 45 minutes is actually a pretty good amount of time. Well, how about we move on and hear a little bit from David about how it works at San Diego? All right, I'm a stander. I'm going to stand on that. <laughs> and I think Sock of the Month is, like, fascinating. I totally joined <laughs> Sock of the Month Club in a second. It bombed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about San Diego Magazine's podcast program. and then like, But first, I figured it's like really important to know the reasons why you should do this and why it's important to really grow that audience. So... Um, in two, from 2015 to 2016, we saw a 23% increase in podcast listens and downloads across the country. Um, while you're seeing radio decline, podcasts are going up because you can listen when you want, when you want, and it's not time sensitive to when you happen to be in the car. I don't think many people listen to the radio at home. I could be wrong, but I'm not one of them. Uh, on average, there's 67 million monthly listeners to podcasts. Just like think of that as far as size. Like it's, um, it's a much bigger audience than I think advertisers are even realizing. Um, Two-thirds of podcasts are listened on your mobile and tablet device. That's no real surprise. You know, we all have our iPhones and download from there, uh, as well as, you know, our Androids and whatnot. And then 85% uh, of them listen to about the whole podcast. So it's really an audience that's staying captivated with your, um, with your message. It's a way that you can get your brand across to an audience that's really your core, your core readers, your core listeners that are listening. And then uh, just once again, 21% of Americans have listened to a podcast in the last month. That's, uh, that's giant. And then here's the one that's like for all of your publishers that they're actually going to care about. Um, last year alone, there was more than $34 million spent on podcast advertising, and it's growing on average anywhere around 12 to 14% a year from there as well. So um, uh, that's really why we got into it, other than wanting to like, increase our whole like, multimedia platform and whatnot. Um, so um, we do a little bit different setup. Instead of going to a, a recorder, we record directly into um, basically a MacBook or like um, any kind of Apple product. Um, on top of that, though, you do need additional like uh, tools other than your MacBook. So this is what we did for the grand total of nine hundred and four dollars and seventeen cents. So it's still like um, while it's a little bit more expensive than the four hundred dollars setup, it's still a pretty small investment for the long run. So headphones, I can't stress enough how important headphones are. Um, as Jason had mentioned earlier, like you can have a complete podcast ruined because of a guest that can't hold the mic in front of their face. It's like getting the uh, over and over is like incredibly hard to deal with and then editing to try to fix some of those lulls is really, really difficult. So having the headphones on so that they can hear themselves, they know that at least they're, um, <laughs> they're, they're being heard correctly. Um, Secondly, okay, so here's the vocal preamp that we use. It's this little thing here called a Focusrite. It has four inputs right here on the front, and you can basically adjust the levels of each one of your guests depending on like, how loud or quiet they are. So you have some guests that are really like soft talkers, you know, not, not quite as like, uh, vibrant as others, and then you have others like me who are incredibly too loud sometimes. Uh, but so you can adjust all those levels there. Typically, you want to have the guest like... It's always better to have the guest be louder than quieter because I can remove sound and I'd rather have a little bit of distortion than no sound whatsoever there. 
because like if you can't hear the answer to a question, then it's kind of, uh, it doesn't work. If you want, you can also um, basically, right here is this thing called a splitter. Basically, so this way you, everyone can have headphones, so it's set up so that you can basically have five people um, listening. <coughs> oh, I'm still on that yep. side. <laughs> uh, microphones, I think we all know what those are. Um, the foam mic covers, I honestly think, are like probably one of the like cheapest but yes, handy tools ever. You really remove like that sound, like the wind sound of people breathing in the mic, uh, you know, spitting in it like a lot of like irritating noises. Um, and it's a lot cheaper than getting like an actual wind guard, which is not very convenient to like transport. Um, and then also we did, we wanted the microphone stands, so we got like table microphone stands. We found that like it made it look more professional for the guests and also for when we go to sponsored locations. And then it also kind of makes sure as well as for like the guest realizing, oh, I have to make sure I'm talking into, uh, into the microphone. And all right. So just to touch on recording software again, um, <coughs> this is like a, just kind of a screenshot of what GarageBand looks like. It is not that complicated what, compared to like all the like little channels that you see. It's pretty easy to learn. I think anyone can pretty much get a good understanding of it in probably like three to five hours if you really, really study it. You can get even more involved if you want to spend time. And then also, um, if you go like any of the Mac stores or the Apple stores, at least like once every month, month and a half, they will actually have a tutorial on how to use the program there. That's a free class that's usually about an hour and a half. At least in San Diego that, it is, that we have them there, so your market might be different. Um, let's say you're not a Mac person, you're a PC person, you can download a program called Audacity. Uh, it doesn't come installed onto a uh, PC, but uh, it's free online. Uh, there's at least a free version. There's like a more expensive paid version you can do, but the free one should work just fine. And um, so yeah, that's good for PCs. Well, so the question, I guess it was a, a, an FYI, is that Audacity also works well on Macs? Oh, I'm sure it does. I, we just use GarageBand because it came installed with the Mac, and so we don't, have, we don't wanna install the other program. But um, yeah, I'm sure it works fine. Uh, so for distribution, uh, Jason had touched on like Libsyn. Uh, there's other RSS feeds, like does everyone know what an RSS feed is? No. So <laughs> an RSS feed basically is so that Apple and Google and these places, when you upload your um, audio content to it or any content, it's gonna basically kind of dynamically pull it to those sources. So once you upload it there and you have your uh, program set up with uh, Apple, Stitcher and those, it will automatically go there. You don't need to go to eight different sites to make sure your podcast is being distributed. SoundCloud is another one. Uh, the pricing model is a little bit cheaper. You pay about, I think, 120 a year. You have unlimited amount that you can update, but you don't get quite the good analytics that you get on Libsyn. Uh, but it's still like a completely fine program. And then with that as well, like people can subscribe to your podcast and whatnot. TuneIn is just another, uh, basically, place for your podcast to live as well. That's the one that the Amazon Echo uses. Yes, yeah. exactly. All right. Promoting it is really like basically an also a huge thing for this like because you know it, we all have these brands we have like some reach so it's really important to utilize all of them so <laughs> one way that we found is really successful for promoting it is that we do at least a segment of each one of our podcasts through Facebook Live so I will be actually producing the podcast and then I'll pull out my phone Facebook Live the session usually it's with whatever guest we have. Uh, 
attach a hashtag to it and basically we'll have comments coming in right on that. Sometimes we'll actually answer questions directly on the podcast while we're recording it through Facebook Live. Um, it's definitely a really good tool. Uh, on top of that, we also do like the Instagram um, video feeds, like so going live on that as well. Unfortunately, that video doesn't get saved, or maybe it does now, but last time I checked it didn't. But, uh, and then we'll obviously like post pictures from the session. So, you know, um, we use the same SDM happy half hour for our, our food podcast every week. And so you can see the different posts, like uh, the guests post will show up there. Um, and we'll do anything from like, oh, look, we had these awesome donuts from Donut Bar. Uh, listen to how they're made on happy half hour, you know, things along those lines. Every post we do a blog post with as well. So our editor will actually write uh, a blog post about it and link to everything that we talk to on the podcast. That's really important. And then we also promote that blog post in all of our e-newsletters. So we do the podcast, our podcast once a week. And then our e-newsletter goes out on Thursday. We actually release the podcast on Wednesday. And then, um, so then it's promoted through there. Events. This is something we're touring with too. We actually have a, uh, uh, basically a, a more business side magazine called Hatch. And we uh, basically at one of our events for Hatch, we actually podcast live there so that people could actually see the process being done. And we made it an open forum for basically people to give us their pitches. Um, so we found that was a really good way to do that. And we're going to plan to do that as well with our like best restaurants event. So we'll actually be interviewing the people from our best restaurants at the party. And then really, this is like the number one promotion thing is it's through your guests. Your guests are basically your best advocate. They're so excited to be part of your brand because you're like, you're the leader in your market and your, in your, your location. So we actually create them like everything like as far as like a promotion packet on how they go and they push it out to everyone else um, like in their audience. So it's like we give them social media badges. Uh, we like give them say these are the best ways to do it. We actually also give them uh, the embed code for the podcast so that they can put it into anywhere on their website. Things along those lines. So um, uh, it's really, really handy. And so this is the big money-making part. And then I'll actually talk a little bit about our podcast as well. But so how do you get money? It's like you got to sell it still multimedia. Sell it as like something that goes across all of, your, um, all of your chains. So we actually, when we have sponsors, we do on what you were mentioning with like on-site sponsors. The only time we will go on location anywhere is if it's a sponsored location. So um, just to give some examples, like we really started thinking out of the box with some of these. So um, uh, you're all familiar with like the Ronald McDonald House. Uh, they do a giveaway every year in San Diego called like, uh, it's basically a house giveaway and they give away basically a $1.5 million house as well as all these other prizes, you know, trips and all these things. So we actually podcast from the house that uh, was there and we, so we Facebook lived it and we're like, oh my gosh, look at this amazing ocean view. Talk to the president of Ronald McDonald House. Uh, he uh, then would talk about like, so, you know, this is a food-based podcast. How can we make Ronald McDonald House without alienating McDonald's uh, relevant? So we talked about some of the trips and like what kind of things you could eat on those trips and cool things and just like a good basis of the whole, um, the whole company. Uh, another example of a sponsorship that uh, we're actually going to be fulfilling in the next month and the podcast is really what solidified us getting the RFP from them was uh, Petco. So um, we're like, oh my gosh, like how can we like put Petco into the sponsorship? So we're like, well, let's talk about like pet friendly, like food that, you know, is like healthy for dogs and why dogs need to eat good food. And then the second one we're doing 
we're uh, basically going to talk about their, their choices for pet-friendly friendly restaurants in San Diego. So we ended up getting a $25,000 buy from them. Of that, for the podcast, is about five grand. Um, Jump the gun. Uh, you jumped the gun on that one. <laughs> so uh, as mentioned, so also like just to make it more multimedia so they're not just living off the podcast, we do Facebook Live, the sponsor sections. So they're hitting that whole audience of uh, about 42,000. We also do the Instagram Live from there too, and so they're hitting that social audience there. And then with our e-newsletters, we'll just mention we were on site you know, uh, here at Ronald McDonald's house, and we'll mention that in the, uh, the description there. Also, when they are the sponsor for those periods, what we do then is roadblock the entire podcast section of our website with their ads so that no other, no other advertisers seen like um, through there. And then also it's like, get them to sponsor more segment than one segment. So um, I have some examples which I can play later, but um, on top of sponsorships, uh, like on-site on sponsorships, some advertisers don't have that ability. So we'll actually, um, you know, basically run like a sponsored byline. So currently we have uh, this big festival in San Diego called Kaboo uh, sponsoring the Happy Half Hour, which is a festival of like Muse and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and all these bands. So we basically just say, you know, hey, welcome to the Happy Half Hour. This week we're thrilled to be sponsored by Kaboo Del Mar, where you can see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Tom Petty, uh, Pink, and more. Uh, they have great food and blah, 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 and get your tickets here. And so we'll actually run that, and we'll do it about eight weeks in a row um, for them so that there's a front-end sponsor with that as well. Other ways to make money, which we're not there yet, because obviously you have to have the tonnage, but so if you are able to get uh, around 20,000 downloads a week, um, then that's when you're usually about eligible for basically like ad networks for these type of things. That's when you, you hear those standard uh, podcast ads, but so it's around 20,000 downloads a week that you need to even qualify for those. So we're not even looking at that quite yet. And uh, so here's some just some helpful resources as well with it that I thought were just like super useful that they'll help you every day with any podcast you do. So for instance, there's a company called PodTrack, and that is a good like analytics company. Uh, so uh, while you do have analytics that come in Libsyn, uh, this is the one that they actually, like advertisers will be using for uh, like making sure you're hitting like around 20,000 downloads for really getting the actual analytics. Like that's like the industry standard. Um, Royalty-free sound effects make your podcast so much more fun. So, you know, we'll have, like, a restaurant guest on be like, so, yep, I'm telling you right here for the first time, it's like we're opening a new location in Del Mar. And so it's like, they'll be like, oh, my gosh, like, explode, and, like, I'll throw in, like, breaking news sound effects and whatnot. And so there's all these, uh, all sorts of sound clips. Like, you can get everything from, like, crowd noise to... Um, you name it, you can search anything, and there's literally, like, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of different uh, things that are there. Uh, if you want call-in guests, first of all, I recommend you don't do it. Like, so if, like, you have a, you, it's, it's terrible. The sound quality is not as good, but so you can actually use uh, Google Voice and have a guest call in and basically patch your phone in through there. But as I mentioned, I don't recommend it. The setup of it's not very good. It's not as smooth. And then the audio is just not as, um, it's, it's, it's just not as consistent. Like, I know if you listen to your own, like, to listen to some podcasts, you can definitely tell the difference, and it's almost, like, unbearable to listen to. Um, so on top of sound effects, also royalty-free music. This is great for your intros and outros, things along those lines. So when I created our intros and outros, I actually, 
um, not to get too much into it, but I actually took some royalty-free sound effects and then put them over royalty-free music so I could make it sound like, uh, like I took restaurant sounds and the sounds of like forks and knives clinking and put those over some like little like smooth jazz so uh, we could make a, a cool sounding intro. And then lastly, while you can do a lot of editing through, um, through GarageBand, uh, there's a company, a free mastering tool called uh, Aphonic. And basically, you can take your track that you just basically download from there and upload it from there, and they will actually make sure that you are at the volume levels that you want to be at for podcasting, because a lot of times the podcasts are very, very quiet, and it's because they haven't mastered them up to a level. Um, so it's really good. They'll kill a lot of the um, like, you know, peaks and valleys, but definitely, definitely really, really handy. Um, so that's what I had there, but then just to tell you a little bit about the San Diego Magazine podcast. So we've been podcasting for about six months, and in the six months, we've made around fifteen to $20,000 off it already with almost no audience. So this is like proof that you can have, you can have like 1,200 listeners and actually make money on this because you're including all the other social things. We have two podcasts. One is called The Happy Half Hour, and this is our dining podcast. It's hosted by two of our, editor, uh, two of our main editors and then our food editor. We're very blessed that our food editor, um, he's actually on the Food Network. He's on Guy's Grocery Games. He's a judge on there. So he's very, very good on the mic, and they all have just a great, great chemistry. But so um, we record podcasts once every other week, and when we record, we actually record two. So we'll record one, uh, take about a 15-minute break, have a beer or two because it keeps the guests lightened up, and, <laughs> but, uh, and then uh, we'll record a second one, and we'll distribute them one week, uh, one Wednesday, and then one the next Wednesday. As Jason mentioned, like segments is like so crucial. So we do different segments, such as like uh, basically like hot bites. So it'll be like news going around uh, restaurant news in San Diego, where we'll talk about that. We'll do a segment called two, two people fifty bucks, and so it's like where would you go for fifty dollars, uh, and how would you do it? So our food editor would be like. I'm going to go to Tajima. Their ramen is absolutely amazing. You're going to get the uh, Tajima House ramen. Blah, blah, blah. It has this in it. That's $12. Then you're going to get this. Blah, blah, blah. And that's $14. And two drinks of this in, like, for a grand total of $48 and like, 84 cents. But so like, we'll go through recommendations like that. And then we do um, a drink segment, too, where we always are like, redirecting people to look at our drink coverage on our website. Um, but so that is that one. And then we have another one called The Show About Shows, which is really based on the performing arts. We're actually in the process of retooling this one to being a Best of San Diego one, so it's not quite so niche. But that one's basically just talking about everything going on in theater, Broadway, things like that going around uh, San Diego um, and national. We'll uh, have guests on for that as well, too. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, what we have for, for podcast stuff. Any quick questions for David? And then go for it. So Sorry. I've got to... I'll just repeat for the, the podcast that we're making <laughs> about this podcast panel in case you missed our promo earlier, mm -hmm. but you'll be able to get a podcast of this panel of a podcast, which we will probably call the meta podcast. I don't know. <laughs> the question was, uh, how long does it take front to back? What um, process take? So my editing process, it depends on how many notes I have through it because... Um, our editors like to go off on tangents to an extent sometimes and sometimes say things we don't want our audience to hear. So uh, we actually have run sheets for every podcast and I will um, take notes as far as times of where I need to edit from there. So on the long end, the longest it will take me to do a podcast from 
editing, mastering, and then getting it distributed through the sources around 45 minutes. And Jason, uh, how about you? Uh, yeah, um, I, I, I think the only additional time that I would spend is I would always take, I, I think 45 minutes is about right uh, for the editing, and, and my editing process was even far less than David's is, because we, we rarely at D would cut anything out or <laughs> put sound effects in. Again, with the idea being that we're not making money on this yet, so I don't want to spend too much of my time on it yet, or, and I don't want to spend too much of the editor's time, um, when it ultimately doesn't make it that much of a difference right off the bat. So um, I would, but uh, I also would, as the show's going on, I, take, uh, I would take show notes, so if an editor mentions a you know a movie from 30 years ago as you know, a tossed off reference mm -hmm. or references some uh, new story that the magazine did six months before that's what's in that blog post or links to uh, stuff that's referenced in there and then the the opportunity is it gives you another piece of content on your site that's just a fun bit of content that kind of adds and enhances um, that so the, putting together that show note blog post was probably an, another 30 minutes, 45 minutes of time each week. Um, so I pro I'm probably all too old because I also have to travel to the bar and set up the equipment. <laughs> you know, you're talking about maybe two hours of my time and an hour or so of two of the editor's time that hosts the show. Mm -hmm. I think that was a two-parter. How do you make the case as a small audience podcast? How do you make the case to an advertiser? That's why we really go with this like multimedia approach. We include, you know, we talk about the number of clicks to the podcast from the e-newsletter so that their name is being seen through our e-newsletter database. We include um, the banner ads that are included surrounding the podcast uh, landing pages and article pages. Um, and then also we give them the metrics as far as like our social. Um, so it'd be like, oh, you're, the video was viewed this many times on Facebook or the video was, uh, or, you know, you got this many likes from uh, the segment on uh, Instagram. So we give them all of that data. And so then we give them kind of a grand number of how much, uh, like how much viewability we gave them across all platforms. Is it fair to say that it's a, a strongly engaged audience? It's, it's a pretty engaged audience, like especially through the live parts. And then like our Instagram is really, um, really pretty popular. Like so on average, like a Instagram post will get anywhere from, you know, 300 to 800 likes, depending on it. So what are the revenue sources? What are the revenue sources? Um, oh, okay. So um, for us, like we've really, um, we've gotten some national. So as mentioned, we got um, Petco, which is like a great national advertiser to talk about dog food on a food podcast, which is crazy. Um, Ouch. Yeah, uh, we'd get a lot of like um, restaurants, like new restaurants that are looking for a little bit more exposure that didn't get maybe the PR push that they wanted. So um, we went to, you know, like a restaurant called Beerfish and we podcasted from their patio while we were eating oysters and be like, oh my gosh, they're oysters. Did you know they have like a world record speed like oyster shucker and like talk to that and like do a sponsored segment with the, um, the advertiser. So restaurants, we definitely do a lot of those. And then um, for instance as well, uh, a lot of festivals we, we will do. So we did like a Ramona Wine and Art Festival and like San Diego Food and Wine Festival. Um, we'll basically have someone come in if we don't do it on site there, but they'll come into the office instead of 
doing remote, so we offer that as well. And they'll bring like a couple bottles of wine and we'll talk about wine and really like make it super like not pitchy and informative and then like talk about how those are incorporated into their events. So um, we do a little bit of that and then um, you know like this most recent one that we have that's uh, running right now is through a uh, basically a big con or a concert called Kaboo, which is like a, think of like um, a Coachella for people that live on the beach. What we, format do the ads come in? So the ads came in uh, the format of basically we asked them to provide uh, provide copy, be like, uh, give us like uh, 30 to 60 words. We'll repeat those on air, and then it's coming directly from our editor. If they wanted to provide their own commercial, they are more than welcome to, but we really think the idea of it being native and coming from our editor's voice is probably more successful. <coughs> David, which one of those you want to do first? <laughs> oh, I'll do all of them. Okay, let's start with the second one. Uh, how does the podcast relate to your print publication? So with um, restructuring of the show about shows, the theater, um, the theater podcast, we are going to be repurposing more of our editorial in it. So we'll kind of talk about like an, an editorial feature in there, like something that's a little bit timely. Um, and then um, after that, it's a lot of like what's just going on like event-wise in San Diego is what we're going to talk about. So um, you know, it's like instead of it just being theater, like um, we're going to probably have like a concert part that we're hoping to get like Live Nation to sponsor. I've actually already talked to them about it, and there's interest there. So um, uh, we're going to cover concerts. We're going to cover like museum openings, anything that's cool and relevant. Festivals, like we have so many festivals in San Diego. There's like a beer fest like once a day. I swear, it's crazy, but. Um, <laughs> Um, it's, it's a good perk, too, when you get to go to those because of our magazine. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, yeah, it's going to include a lot of that kind of stuff. It's almost going to be like repurposing our best of e-newsletter into a podcast. So it's like the goal of that one is to not have it be as much like new content and repurposing a lot of it. So it sounds kind of like you're using the print material as source material and then going from there. Jason, how about you? Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, when a, a story was going to come out in print, it made sense to talk about that and help promote the, the print product. At the same time, I will say that when we did that successfully, it was, you know, we would have the main character of the story on as the guest. Or when we did it less successfully, we just had the writer of the story on, <laughs> who very, relatively few of our reader, uh, listeners actually wanted to hear from. Um, so it's always better to, to, to be very first person in this format, actually have the guest on who can tell the story directly and not just the writer. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, we get a lot of really fun guests. We never got anything quite as cool as Dan Rather. But, Twice. Um, I know, that's amazing. Like, Dan, he's a great guy. And his grandson, Martin. <laughs> nice. Uh, was very nice. Uh, yeah. We've had a few, uh, um, top, we've had Top Chef winners as guests. We've had uh, Master Chef winners as guests. Uh, a lot of like local restaurant and brewery people. Um, so we definitely try to not just have like restaurant chefs or like restaurant owners on. We try to get a little bit more outside of the box. Like um, we're coming up, we're having the very first uh, female Cicerone in the country is gonna be on our podcast. And she's also does quality control for one of the largest breweries in San Diego. So that's gonna be a fun one coming up. But so you can get really kind of creative with the ideas. I might jump in with a question of my own. Sorry, y'all, we'll get to you in one sec. I'm curious what you both look for in a guest. Do you do like a pre-interview? Do you sort of figure out, how do you sound out? What guests would be interesting in sound? Jason, you wanna try that one? 
uh, I don't think we put that much thought into it. <laughs> uh, I think That's we. A good I think the editors decide uh, who they. You know, we, we talk about who we think would be a good guest for a particular week. Sometimes that is tied to a story. Sometimes that is. Oh, we're going to record a podcast tomorrow. Uh, who's our guest going to be? <laughs> um, again, that's a matter of we're dealing with the limited staff time who don't have, you know, I had other things on my agenda. The editor had other things on their agenda. We really were just trying to keep a, a sustained show. So we generally would reach out to newsmakers um, of the day. I mean, I, I should have mentioned that the top episode prior to the Bear Brown episode I just mentioned was a local news anchor who had been fired from his job because he got arrested for, for being high in Aspen, uh, Colorado. Um, and he came on and told the story of his arrest for the first time anywhere on our podcast. Hmm. Um, and, and so, as with anything, when you tell people something they don't already know, there's no substitute for that. Um, ours is it's definitely very collaborative so and we even try to take from like salespeople to an extent too um, if they have a client that happens to be really interesting so you know we'll just come up with ideas and be like oh man did you know that this person's around doing this and so everyone's kind of emailing the editors and the editors make the final pick but um, so there's been times where you know like you know, our advertisers, we'd like to think a lot of them are pretty cool and some of them are actually podcast worthy so we recently had like a, a a guy that owns a really, really uh, popular pizza Italian restaurant, and um, which was suggested from our advertiser, but our like editorial loves them. They'd been talking about doing like a six-time print schedule. Wasn't really sure. Came in, did the podcast, was so happy with it. The sales rep came in after and closed the deal right there, and they signed a six-time contract on the spot. <laughs> so there's other ways that you can be making money off this as well, on top of it just being. Uh, the podcast itself, so it's going to help your other your other chains as well. Well, let's take another question from the room, and then after that, I'd like to unleash you two on each other as podcast <laughs> creators. Oh, you man. might be better interviewing each other than I would be, so I would be very <laughs> interested to hear. But let's take one question from the room. We'll take more than one. We'll, okay, we'll, we'll think about doing the two. unleashing each other. <laughs> let's see two. Sure. What are, some of you? what are your most popular podcasts? Our most popular podcast actually was with a guy that created this software that, or not a software, basically created a LinkedIn for the restaurant community. And um, that one has around like, I think around 3,000, 4,000 listens. And it's because we gave him this whole social platform to promote it that it really got the, uh, the listenership for that. So that was actually one of our more popular ones um, as well as we had uh, uh, this chef, uh, Claudia Sandoval, who's a San Diego chef that had just won MasterChef, we had her on, and uh, that was also a really popular one. And I think we heard a little about yours already, but yeah. do you have a radio tie-in at all, Jason? Um, no, because there's no way our quality would make it onto a radio station. <laughs> I mean, to, 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 be, to be frank about it, I mean, it's designed as a podcast purely. Um, we don't necessarily have a radio tie-in because if anything, they probably are anything more threatened that we're kind of a, uh, a competitor to their market and the fact that we're, we're trying to take some of their like audio like uh, sales well, budget. I, I will note that, uh, that when we were launching this, you know, we, our staff is kind of friendly with some people at the, the NPR affiliate mm -hmm. uh, in Dallas. And when we asked them like, what is a good metric for how well a podcast should do, uh, they told us the numbers for their podcast-only shows, the shows that don't appear on the radio at all, and they create just for podcasting. 
and they weren't doing any better numbers than mm. we were able to pull. Wow. Yeah. Uh, um, one thing that is like a little extra bonus for having like the little investment, if you guys do any radio advertising or radio trade for any of your events or anything, we've, um, I like just record like basically the commercials right there at the office and then give them directly to, um, you know, whoever, whoever does Spotify or um, Pandora or any of those. So it's another little extra perk of having, having the stuff. That could even be the revenue case. They, maybe you'll be able to do better radio spots mm -hmm. in-house and then also launch a podcast, Definitely. which could then make a bit of money. <laughs> yeah. So um, for your, is your marketing and brand team How, how does the marketing team relate and are you managing all of the marketing and branding yourselves? It's so turnkey right now, like that it's just like, so it's a regular segment that we have in every one of our e-newsletters that, you know, it's like, just like you'd add events to your e-newsletter or, you know, the feature, it's like, oh, you just add the podcast part. Um, everyone knows their role and everyone has a little role that they can contribute and pitch into. So um, I guess, yeah, it's like, it's not just me that's doing it all. Um, yeah, you know, we have everything, house ads, you know, everything, but uh, it, it works well. Jason, how about the happy half hour? Well, that question came from Ashley of D Magazine, so I'm not ah. sure I need to explain her. Uh, but, I mean, D does have a, a brand uh, manager and a, a, mar a marketing team um, that helped promote it uh, some, and then some of our editorial... Some of our social media feeds are, are driven by editorial, so the, I, I'm involved in that a little bit. But I did, had, did not put as, as great a promotional push behind it as uh, David and San Diego have. Yes. Uh, David, could you break down a little bit more? You said fifteen dollars or $20,000 in six or eight months, mm -hmm. and you said Petco sort of as an anchor national, although they happen to be headquartered in your market, right? Um, there, so what was they, the question? Yeah, uh, the, the question, I missed it actually. Uh, the question was um, to break down kind of like the revenue. Um, so if you want, I can go back to one of the previous slides that shows actually like our sales sheet that we have for it. But so um, just to give you an idea of the pricing model that we do. <coughs> we, yeah, that's really the question. Thanks. Okay. Um, sure. So we... Um, what we do is we don't sell single podcast sponsorships. The minimum that you can do is two, because when we do anything on site, we're recording two podcasts and it doesn't make sense for us to do one. And we want the client to be getting more value than just that one. So we record two half hour to 45 minute podcasts from the location. With that, what we also include is we guarantee at least two Instagram posts with it. Um, from there, usually it's of like food and one of it being done. We guarantee a Facebook Live segment uh, for it. So like the segment for when they're there, the Facebook Live segment, we guarantee them five minutes. It's usually more, and then we usually end up still tying them in other places. Uh, and then we guarantee them mention in the e-newsletter for um, the uh, uh, basically the podcast saying that we're doing it there and we talk about them there. And then... Um, if they are timely enough, we'll actually include them in on the house ad online or on the webs or in the magazine, saying like we recorded this week here and here and here. Um, but no one's actually taken us up on that because they never—I don't know why—they just don't seem to. But so what we charge for basically the whole thing for that is we charge twenty-five hundred dollars um, for a front-end uh, like um, sponsor, so something like Kaboo. 
um, where it's just like, this is brought to you by Kabu Del Mar. Um, even with the minimal audience, we're still getting about, we're getting $200 each time that we basically mention that for a 20 second spot. When we've had sponsors coming into the office, because they're only either usually, it takes a lot less effort for us to go on site, move all the equipment and whatnot. Um, we are a little bit more flexible, so we'll do a five minute segment from anywhere from like $500 to um, $1,000. And we Facebook Live those as well from there when it's the advertiser spot. And our, it's like, it's really like, it's like, they find so much value in it because we're having a real discussion with them. Our editorial staff is like making them sound way cooler than they usually are and, and things along those lines. So they really like just being involved with the brand and involved with something that's cool in the county. But so um, I'm also happy to um, basically email over to anyone like our, um, our, like our promo thing that we do for that as well as our social media program. Um, and as well as the, our, our deck. And uh, also, um, if you're interested in like the setup that we have, um, I created a Amazon um, basically wish list that I can send over to you as well. So you can basically one click buy everything for $904.23. Get out your credit card, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. Any more questions in the room? Yeah. <laughs> That's a question for Jason about the game that editors play. Uh, so, yeah, the third segment of the show is always some little game with the editor. Sometimes it was uh, w with the guest, and some sometimes it would be some goofy little quiz, or uh, Zach Crane, who's one of the two hosts, is very hot, fond of hypotheticals um, uh, of the absurd of variety. But the game that they've most often played is... Uh, <laughs> and led to the most awkward moment in Earburner podcast history. Uh, it's called iPhone Roulette, and <laughs> the game is you hand your iPhone over to Tim Rogers, the editor. He gets to scroll through your phone and pick any name, and you have to call that person and tell that person you love them. <laughs> no. That's amazing. And, uh, and a surprising number of guests have been game for this. And, uh, and I had to like, it was one time I, it was so awkward I, because the person answered, I had to take my headphones off and not listen to the phone call. It was, it was that bad. <laughs> we might need to steal that idea. That's, yeah. pretty, that's pretty ingenious. <laughs> what other kind of tricks do you have for banter? Getting people warmed up at the beginning. Booze. I could use a few of them. Yeah, yeah booze. Okay. Like we literally, so it's like, the, our main one is happy half hour, so we try to make it as much like happy hour as possible. Like we're working on trying to get beverage sponsors for this as well, which we haven't as, had as much luck. Hmm. But so literally, like before anyone sits down, it's like there's beers on the table, yeah. there's like wine, uh, we have snacks, and we just like. Well, that's why D does it at a bar, yeah. um, <laughs> so that you know the, the guest has a drink, the editors have drinks. It you know it it does loosen things up, and also just being in that environment because it. We typically would record it on a Thursday afternoon at like four o'clock, and the bar wouldn't be that empty. I mean, it wouldn't be that full as we started, but a lot of days by the end, like it had filled up by the time we were done with our recording session. And the secret to these mics that D uses is they're very cold. You you basically have to hold it right up against your lips. What is cold mean? Heard. Cold means you can't like sit back away from the mic uh, and expect to be heard. You have to really talk right on top of the of these mics. Um, but it was. But they pick up just enough of the ambient noise that if you listen to one of the podcasts, you, you'll hear some crowd noise in the background, but it's not normally overwhelming, and it just adds a nice atmosphere to the show. Agreed. 
Is that something particular to those mics, or is it safe to say that pretty much any inexpensive mics, mic has mic, that quality? Mics vary, and, and yes, probably most inexpensive mics will, will be cold. Yeah, and then it's also just really important to put together like the right podcast team. Like for us, we found that you know it's three people and then one guest, so that we have like each one of them kind of takes ownership of like starting the banter for that section. So like when we're talking about restaurant news, our, our editor Archana, she'll be like the one that kind of front runs that, and then Troy will interrupt and be like, yes, and that place does you know the best charcuterie board and yada yada yada, and Aaron will comment, and so each person kind of owns a different segment that they kind of claim is their own um, to kind of get that banter going, but mostly booze. That's really <laughs> the, that's the, that's the one. Okay, so you just walked into a bar, and David, you're supposed to be interviewing Jason for this podcast. Oh, man, don't put me on the spot. Like I'm sitting you on the spot right now. How do you open this thing up? Well, um, you know, we'd, well, first of all, we'd open it with, like, the message of who we are. So I'd be like, hey, what's going on? You're listening to CRMA's inaugural first podcast. Let's hope this isn't the last one. I'm David, your host, and with me is Jason from uh, formerly of D Magazine in Austin. Uh, what's going on with you today, Jason? Uh, I'm sitting in front of a room of people uh, talking about podcasting, something I haven't done in six months. <laughs> this isn't intimidating at all. This is totally normal. <laughs> totally normal. <laughs> yeah. um, so it would be something like that, you know, like usually um, instead of like we try not to have it be like me asking like, how are you doing today? Because like normally it's just the people know to like kind of like jump in and say something quirky and fun, like kind of like how we would, uh, we'd start things. Let me back up a little. How do you choose an idea to start a podcast about? Because I can think of some ideas, but I don't know which of them. Is there a way to help narrow the field of all the different things we could make a podcast about? So that's a, a really good question because we have been, we, the goal is eventually to have kind of a podcast network. I'm training someone else at the office on how to actually do this so I, it eliminates a lot of my time and I can go onto new big picture stuff. Um, but, uh, we actually shot an email around to everyone in the company and like asked for ideas. But also it's like, it's really, you know, going off like what's the strong part of your, your brand. For us, our restaurant coverage is bar none. You know, have it, being lucky enough to have a televised, somewhat famous food editor really helps that a lot. So it's like people know us for our food content. So it was a no brainer to do that. And then our second most popular stuff, which we can really gauge just from like what people are going to our website for is our event coverage and our calendars. So and that's why we are like kind of re-tooling the show about shows to being about theater to being about events in general for all of San Diego. So looking at your own Google Analytics can really be a good way to um, figure out what you should be talking about because you want to be reaching those same, those same viewers. I can see viewers. how that ties to the happy half hour too. That's mine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm one in a bar. No, but uh, I, I think that speaks to the shows that we found were most popular were about the things that were already popular on our blogs and they were being talked about in the daily content that D did. Like building upon those strengths as opposed to trying to bring in you know, content that wasn't in the wheelhouse of what DRD did. What else we got? So what's the goal? At what point do you make the decision? Is it worth amping this up or just stopping? What's the goal? What's the decision making process? You want to go first or me? Well, I, that's hard for me to say since I'm not a D anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, I know that, uh, like I said, there were there were there were certain breaks that got taken because sponsorships weren't happening, and it was, it, and we weren't sure it was worth the uh, the editor's time and investment. But then they want to redouble the effort and try to commit to it more. Um, a second podcast was added with uh, 
uh, some of the female editors uh, of the staff who felt left out of having Tim and Zach do their own podcast, but it's only been done three or four episodes. You're not really going to gain any traction with an audience if you can't have a, a regular schedule of content. Um, I don't know if we know necessarily what our end goal is yet. Um, we're just kind of still making sure that it's actually going to work. We've set like a loose benchmark of what we're looking for for revenue for 2017 on podcasts. But as a whole, we know that the listeners that we have that are listening to it tend to be a lot of really influential people that are in our market, like that are, uh, are our advertisers. Like we hear them all talking about like, oh, I was listening to this and blah, 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 blah. And so having another outlet so they know that we're reaching all these channels, we think is like almost equally as valuable as having actually the, the monetary aspect of it. And then while it does take a few hours of, you know, our time, like every other week, we really kind of look at that as like a fixed overhead cost opposed to a variable overhead cost, basically buying this stuff. And then if for some reason we don't have beers kicking around the office, like that's the only other variable cost that we have. But um, so otherwise, it's like we really kind of look at it as like um, a very inexpensive um, barrier to entry. It's like unlike video, which is much more expensive in time. I, I think that's a really good point because yeah. you hear people pushing video, video, video all the time, but just it is so much more expensive than yeah. trying something like podcasting. Yep. Uh, uh, just on an ongoing basis, it's going to cost you so much less and take so much less staff time that it seems like that would be a, w a place you'd want to try a push before you try to go headlong in, into a, a video commitment. Definitely. Yeah. Any more questions from the room? Well, maybe you can talk a little bit about sort of the intangible benefits internally, too. Like, I would think that this would be kind of rewarding to work on. Yeah. Sounds I, fun. I mean, that's... I want to go do one. That was on my slide. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that, was, that was part of the... That was the driving force behind... Uh, why Tim uh, Rogers, uh, the editor of D, and I wanted to launch it was just to try it, to experiment with the new format, a new storytelling format, see what we could do with it. Yeah, same with us. Like our editor just knows the, about the growth as well, and she was like, "We need to be doing this. We need to get into it before anyone else in our market really does." And so that was like one of the driving forces. And then plus, I'm just like an, I'm an audio nerd. So um, <laughs> podcast music, like just to give you a quick background on top of this as well, I've been putting on concerts and shows since I was 14 years old, played in bands since I was 14. Uh, I also am part owner of my own recording studio. So <laughs> I was like, can do this. I was anyone really, can do well, this. Is, but still, well, this is, I, I am evidence that anyone can do this. <laughs> yes. But so I just like, it's like, you know, if you have the passion for like, you know, anything audio, um, it, it just was like, it challenged me, it gave us something new and it gave us a new tool that you never know could um, possibly solidify anyone. And I'd really like to think, you know, it's like, the podcast is the reason we got a $25,000 sponsorship from Petco because no one else in our market could offer any kind of like on-site experience quite like that that will then have a lasting effect after. But Let me see. I think the, I, this is the first time I've heard of your promotional <laughs> program, and I think the Facebook Live component is really smart. Definitely. Um, we're actually in the process of trying to figure out how we can improve the Facebook Live experience because the sound coming off the phone isn't quite, it's not like the sound coming from this machine. So we're actually might be investing in some tools to actually get it so it will pull the live audio that we're recording uh, for Facebook Live. What would that look like? Is it hardware again, software? 
You know, yes. I think it's a bunch of cables. Yeah, okay. I, I haven't looked into it quite close enough, but I know there's going to need to be some kind of uh, tool that will attach to my phone. Last call. Any questions from the room? Yes. For Facebook Live, do you use that to feature your sponsors? So if it's an episode that we have a sponsored segment, then we will use that for the sponsor. Otherwise, no matter what, we will do like our regular guest as a Facebook Live on a weekly basis. And we'll use that as a teaser so um, for something to go in. We don't ever do the whole episode. We talked about it, but like, we want something to drive them to actually want to go and download it and listen. And so that's, that's basically what we, we do with that. Well, it's been a heck of a pleasure sitting up here and sharing you know, the expertise of these two gentlemen Thanks. with you. Thanks. Thanks. I'm Chris Combs with Washingtonian, and this has been David Martin with San Diego and Jason Hyde with Austin Monthly, formerly D Magazine. Thank you very much, and we will be editing this down to a podcast and emailing it around to everyone who left a business card or their email address on the sign-up sheet by the water glasses. So please have a, have a look at that, Thanks and a uh, hope to catch you later on. Thanks. Thanks.